We're going to be in Acts chapter 21 today. Acts chapter 21, continuing our series out of the book of Acts, thinking about readiness this morning. How many of you are a grandparent? Any grandparents in the room? Yeah, raise your hands up. Proud, yeah, yeah. You, most of the time when I ask for hands, like it's like, eh. But grandparents are like, yes, I'm a grandparent. Okay. So uh, my folks were coming to town the other day, Deacon's grandparents, and uh, they're, they're so good about coming to visit us. Uh, both my folks and my in-laws were so grateful for them. And uh, every time they come to town, they take my kids to the dollar store and just let them buy whatever they want. Okay, maybe some of you grandparents are nodding your heads. You've done this before. They just, they just come to town and spoil our kids, okay? I don't even know who those people are anymore. But anyways, <laughs> my, my kids have come to expect that. Like when, when Mim and Pop come to town, they're going to they're gonna get some, some surprises. And so they fly in this time. A lot of times they drive, but they flew to town. It was a quick trip. And so I take Deacon with me to the airport to pick him up. The big boys are at school. And when Deacon gets into the car in the back seat, he finds a penny in the back seat of my truck. And so he's got this penny in his hand when his grandma gets in the car. And she leans over and she kisses him. And the first thing he does is he shows her his penny. And she says, Deacon, you better save that for when we go to the store. And he says, oh, no, I'm not using my money. <laughs> and she's like, you're right. Good idea. We, we better use Mim and Pop's money at, at the store. I'm not using my money there. Okay. Grandparents, uh, that doesn't offend you. You fully expect when you, when you come and you're with your grandkids, you're just going to spoil them. You can't wait to do it. You, you know that feeling, grandparents? You are so ready to go be with your grandkids, just to love them and spoil them, okay? All right, let me show you this passage here in 2 Corinthians, because I think Paul is channeling that feeling, that, that feeling of just being so ready to see him. Can't even hardly contain yourself so ready. Look at this. Paul says this, I am ready to visit you. Okay, grandparents, you get that? I am ready to visit you for the third time. I won't be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions, but you. It's like a, a grandkid doesn't have much to give their grandparents, right? It's all coming the other directions and they just want you, right? After all, children should not have to save up for their parents. We could substitute grandparents there, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything, everything I have, and expend myself as well. Okay. Now, Paul wasn't an actual parent or a grandparent, and I'll say sometimes parents don't as gladly spend everything, but grandparents can certainly understand that feeling, right? Being so ready. Okay. I want you to think about that feeling, and I'm going to take you to another scene that is going to seem as different as it could be. But the two have something in common. I'm going to show you that. And this scene is in our passage in Acts 21. In Acts 21, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And he believes he's being called by God's will to go there. And he hopes that this will be a stopping point on his way ultimately to Rome because he wants to declare the gospel there. He wants to swing by Jerusalem first. Okay. And he's hanging out in Caesarea with some friends, some brothers and sisters in Christ. And this prophet named Agabus 
comes down to visit Paul. And he says, Paul, can I borrow your belt? I forgot my belt. And Paul's like, sure, here's a belt. And he takes Paul's belt and he wraps it around his arms. He ties it up in a knot, binds his hands together. And he says, Paul, when you go to Jerusalem, this is what they're going to do to you. They're going to bind you up and you're going to suffer there. And so immediately, all of Paul's friends, his brothers and sisters are like, whoa, 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 you are not going to Jerusalem. You are not going to Jerusalem. And look at this. When we heard this, so Luke, who writes Acts, was apparently there. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready. That's the word I want you to see. I should have put it in bold here. I am ready, he says, not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and we said, the Lord's will be done. All right, here's what I want you to see. That feeling that a parent or a grandparent has to be with their kids or their grandkids and just spoil them rotten. They haven't seen them in a long time. They're so ready to be with them and just love them. Paul uses that same word to describe his readiness to go and be put in prison and even die for Jesus if it's the will of the Lord. He knows the other feeling. He's felt that way about the Corinthians. He wants so bad to be with them and spoil them. He is ready for that if that's the Lord's will. And he is just as ready to go be imprisoned and die for Jesus. Same word. Isn't that something? Hmm. Uh, you know that I like stories of missionaries, their biographies. I was reading recently a biography, and it was set in South Korea. And in the 1800s, South Korea, which is now one of the leading centers of Christianity, South Korea sends out more missionaries than America does. But at the time, South Korea was very hostile to foreign missionaries, Christian missionaries. And so in the 1800s, there was actually a missionary massacre in South Korea. And on the spot of that missionary massacre, they formed a missionary graveyard because they wouldn't allow the missionaries to be buried in the national cemeteries in South Korea at the time. And so there is to this day a missionary graveyard where all the missionaries who were killed in that massacre are buried and also all the missionaries who have gone to Korea since to help it become the the place that it is today for Christ Jesus. And I was looking at the tombstones there. I just got on Google and I started Googling the tombstones and I found this one. It may be hard for you to see, I'll read it. This is a woman named Ruby Kendrick who was a missionary there in South Korea. And she says, if I had a thousand lives to give, Korea should have them all. She said, what does she mean? It's okay that she died there. That was the Lord's will for her. And if she had another chance, she'd be ready to go back and do it again. Even if it meant she was going to suffer and die there. And a part of us thinks, well, it's, it's kind of easy to be that way if you don't have anybody in your life, depending on you. If you don't have anybody that loves you, if you're kind of a lone ranger, then yeah, maybe you can just go and live some radical life of readiness for the Lord. And surely that was Paul. Let me just show you. Go back to Acts chapter 20. This is the chapter just before 21, obviously. There's a math lesson for you. Acts chapter 20, but 36. So the story right before this, 
I want to show you how well-loved Paul was. Look at this. When Paul had finished speaking, this was with another group, he knelt down with all of them and he prayed. I want to come back to that. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And what grieved them most was his statement they would never see his face again. And so they accompanied him all the way to the ship. You know, Paul isn't a lone ranger. He talks about in Philippians, he's really torn between staying and being with the people who love him versus going on and even dying for the Lord. Man, he was conflicted about this. And I think it's, we can understand the people here in Acts 21 who are begging him to stay or in Acts 20 who are weeping and crying as he's thinking about going, we can understand their argument. Paul, we could really use you here. Like it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you stayed with people who loved you a lot and who wanted to learn from you and be blessed by you. Like, wouldn't that also be good? And Paul's like, no, 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 that wouldn't be any good. I've got to go and suffer and die. I'm ready for that. Here's what I want you to see, and this is really important for us to recognize. These good Christian people, they hear that Paul is going to suffer. And they say, Paul, that cannot be God's will. Don't do that. Paul hears, you're gonna suffer. And Paul thinks to himself, okay, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, I'm ready. You know, Paul recognizes that just because something is hard or difficult doesn't mean it's not good or the will of God. And so he's ready for it. Whatever it is, whether it's to go and be with the Corinthian church and just spoil them and spend everything he has on them, or it's to go and be imprisoned and suffer and die, he's ready. He trusts. He trusts the will of God. And so they're sitting there listening to him, and they can't persuade him, and they say, remember what they say? The Lord's will be done. Okay, the Lord's will be done. Where did they learn that? Does anybody remember where they learned that? Okay, not a trick question, Jesus. If you're in church, you don't know. Jesus, right? That's the answer. Yeah, they learned that from Jesus. And specifically, they learned that from how Jesus teaches us to pray. Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches his disciples in Matthew 6 to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus isn't like, hey, do what I say, not what I do. That's not Jesus. Because then in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is facing the will of God, which in this case is his crucifixion. Remember what he prays in the garden? Look at this. Not what I will, but what you will. There's that same word, the will of God. Not what I want, but what you want. And where does he say that? He says it in prayer. So I guess the first thing I want you to see this morning is that the readiness for the will of God in your life, no matter what it is, that readiness is learned through prayer. That's how you learn it, prayer, at least one of the ways. I mean, what is prayer? Isn't that what prayer is about, is surrendering your will to the will of God? When I was in my last year of grad school, Lindsay and I were looking for a job, 
And I sent out all these resumes and little tapes of my preaching to all these churches, and I got all these rejection letters back. And um, it was not a fun time. It was a really stressful time. Uh, I had sat down with her dad a few years earlier and asked to marry her and promised him that I was going to take care of her. And it, it appeared that I was going to be working on the grounds crew at Abilene Christian for the rest of my life. And I was stressed about this. And um, so I was getting all these rejection letters, and my mentor, Randy Harris, he said, Eric, have you been praying about that? And I was like, no. And he said, let me give you this prayer, and I wonder if you might pray this prayer some. And this prayer is it's written by a guy named John Wesley. It's called the Wesley Covenant Prayer. And I, I think I shared it with you all a few years ago, uh, but it has been a regular staple of my prayer life since it is such a powerful prayer, I want to show it to you, but I want you to listen to the language of this prayer. Listen to this. Can, just think about praying this every day, what it would be like in your life. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O gracious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Mm. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I think we learn that through prayer. Right? But let me talk with you about the other way we learn that. And um, I hope that you are praying along those lines. Jesus taught us to pray that way. And I think from that kind of praying comes a readiness that can really sustain you in life. But let me show you something else that's really important. Uh, we're going to preach on Hebrews next year. And I was at a retreat recently with some preachers talking about Hebrews. And it's, it's pretty clear that what's going on in Hebrews is that you have a group of people who loved the Lord at one time, gave their lives to Jesus, believed in him, were baptized into him. And now following Jesus has gotten difficult and they're beginning to wonder if it's worth it. Okay, and we come to this passage here in Hebrews 10, 36. Listen to this, just listen to this. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, Okay, that's our topic for today. When you have done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and won't delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But look at this. But we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Um, man. Look at that last sentence there in bold. We, you and I, together, do not belong to those, that group of people who shrink back and are destroyed, but we belong to those, the people who have faith and are saved. And I think what's happening here for those lovers of Paul, those followers of Jesus, in this moment where they see that Paul is facing this difficulty with readiness is they realize something about themselves. Oh yeah, that's the kind of people we are. 
We're not the kind of people who shrink back because something's hard. We're the people who stay ready for the will of God. That's what Jesus has taught us to pray. That's what we've been praying all this time. But then they see it in somebody beside them and they remember something about themselves. You're right, Paul. The Lord's will be done. Um, let me tell you a story here. You remember Peter, apostle of Jesus, one of Jesus' favorites. And uh, Jesus is facing the end of his life. He's arrested. He's facing the end. And just before he's arrested, Peter says this to him. Let me show you this. He replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Same word. I'm ready. Turns out he wasn't ready. And Jesus gets arrested. He's led towards his crucifixion. And Peter shrinks back. You remember this? Denies Jesus. Okay, and what we could say is he lacked faith. I think that's possible. What's immediately obvious to me is the difference between Peter when he says that to Jesus and Peter when he denies Jesus is that this Peter is alone. The other Peter was surrounded by the disciples of Jesus Christ. All these guys who trusted him, even though they knew what was coming was hard. And suddenly when Peter is isolated, he forgets who he is, that he's a guy who's ready for the Lord's will and he shrinks back. I mean, I've been thinking about this as it relates to church. Man, I tell you, one of the great blessings of COVID-19 is that we started streaming our services. And so suddenly, you know, overnight, we were all able to gather virtually and, and engage still in the word of God and in worship. And I'm thankful we're past that season. We're gathered back together. And I'm thankful for all those who are watching online all over the world. But I'll tell you, with that great blessing comes a deep concern for me. Let me talk to, talk to you who are only online. If your only engagement with the body of Christ is at home in your living room, what you might be missing is the reminder of who you are by the people you see beside you on Sunday, the people in your small group, the people who encourage you when, you dan when you're down. What do you learn from them? Yeah, we're the kind of people who don't shrink back. We're the kind of people who are ready. And you see that, right, in the people beside you. I met with a brother not long ago. Um, I think I can share this. I met with Mike McNeely, um, who passed this last week. His funeral is tomorrow at 2 o'clock at Memorial Park. Visitation's at 1. I met with him a few days ago, and uh, he was not well. And I asked him, what have you been thinking about, Mike? And he said, well, I've kind of been thinking about what comes next. I said, you got any questions about that? He said, Eric, when you've been at church as long as I have, you've got it pretty well figured out. And I love that, right? I love that. He's ready. Why? Because he's been here with you. And he's learned, this is the kind of person I am. Because this is the kind of people we are, ready for the will of God. So I think you become ready by praying. I think you become ready by being surrounded by the body of Christ and seeing that readiness in them. But let me show you the most important thing that makes us ready, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I was listening to a preacher this week who was, who was talking about this passage, and he said something about Paul. He said, Paul lived on ready, and I like that image. Okay. You think about like a gas tank. You got empty over here and full over here. 
And uh, Paul lived on full. He lived on ready, whatever was going to come. How many of you, if you're starting a road trip, even if you've got a quarter of a tank, half a tank, three quarters of a tank, you're going to go to the gas station and fill up before you start? Is anybody like that? Okay. What happens in every marriage, one of you is like that and one of you is the other way. And you're like, why would you stop at the gas station right now? Get as far as you can down the road. Okay, right? Okay. You know what I'm talking about? All right. We do offer marital counseling here if you need it. So you don't know if you're going to get out there on I-40 between here and Little Rock and get stuck out there. How many of you gotten stuck out there? You don't know that. You got to be ready. Okay. Paul's tank is on full all the time. He's ready. Why is that? And here's what I think the main thing is for him. I think he was preaching. I think he was surrounded by the body of Christ or praying. Sorry. I think he was surrounded by the body of Christ. But also, let me show you the gospel he was preaching to himself. Look at this. This is Romans 14, 8 and 9. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, whatever happens, we belong to the Lord. It's for this very reason, our belonging to the Lord, no matter what happens, it's for this very reason Christ died and returned to life, the gospel. It is for this very reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Okay, so the, Paul, the gospel that Paul's preaching to the world, the gospel he's preaching to those brothers and sisters, and frankly, the gospel he preaches to himself every day is, hey, Jesus came and died and was raised for me so that whatever happens in my life, I belong to him. Whatever happens in my life now, I belong to him. And you know what that makes you? Ready. That makes you ready. Right. I want to pray over us, and I want to pray. This is a prayer of Henry now, and I'll get there in just a second. But I want you for a second to look at your gauge this morning. Are you, are you empty or are you full? Are you empty or you're full this morning? Well, let me pray over us. God, we give you great thanks that your son Christ Jesus did not shrink back from your will. We give you great thanks and praise that we have an example in Paul of a man who likewise did not shrink back from your will. And we give you great praise and thanks, God, that we are a part of a community both here this morning and a community that stretches back over 2,000 years of people who are ready and do not shrink back from your will. Would you make us more ready? By the good news of Jesus Christ and by his grace, would you fill our tanks and make us ready for whatever comes our way? Dear God, we are full of wishes, full of desires, full of expectations. Some of them, some of them may be realized, many may not. But in the midst of all of our satisfactions and disappointments, we hope in you. We know you will never leave us alone. And you will fulfill all of your divine promises. Even when it seems that things are not going our way, we know they are going your way. And that in the end, your way is the best way for us. Oh Lord, strengthen our hope, especially when our wishes are not fulfilled. Let us never forget your name is love. In the name of Jesus, amen.